from downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis and Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term perspective. This is Money Talk for August 25th, 2023. Check on the calendar. The Brewers welcome the San Diego Padres to AmFam this weekend. And the Packers have a preseason game at Lambeau Saturday night with the Seahawks. Hey, muchachos, it's Mexican Fiesta this weekend. And today is National Banana Split Day and Saturday is National Dog Day. So let's take our dogs to cops. Today we're featuring animal stories. We're starting off with our favorite whipping boy, the state of Florida. A suburb of Miami is being overgrown and overrun by peacocks. And Florida's answer to that problem is give all the male birds vasectomies. A veterinarian said it only takes about eight minutes per bird. I guess that's better than packing the birds on buses and dropping them off in New York. Yeah, it looks like bears are everywhere this year. Here are just two of the latest sightings. Hank the Tank, a bear behind 21 home invasions near Lake Tahoe, has been captured and relocated. And no, I don't think they used two men in a truck. And from Boulder, Colorado, two bears with a giant sweet tooth crashed an outdoor wedding and went straight to the dessert table and the wedding cake. The couple will remember the bears longer than their divorce. And finally, a worm has been revived. I think more accurately thought out. After 46,000 years in the Siberian permafrost, and now the worm is having babies. The only explanation can be, after 46,000 years, she must have been kind of horny. On the podcast today, we have Tom Paffenfuss, Mike Helsel, and wrapping up the week, here's Kyle Tedding. Well, thanks, Max. A good week overall. The NASDAQ up 2.3%, closing at 13,591. The S&P 500 up 36 points this week, closing at 44.06. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average gave a little bit back, but again, a pretty narrow focus 30 stock Dow, down four tenths of a percent, 154 points, despite 248 points advanced today. For the year, the NASDAQ up 29.8%, the S&P 500 up 147 and the Dow up 3.6. On the week, the 10-year U.S. Treasury moved a little bit higher, uh, as did shorter-term bonds. Um, and Tom, it really came on, uh, in part at least, on some comments today from Jay Powell and Jackson Hole. Every year the Fed gets together and have a fly fishing tournament, I think, or something <laughs> out in Wyoming. Uh, but... Uh, we, we always get on that last day a nice big speech from the Fed governor that kind of lays out, here's the agenda for the road ahead. And the, the message this time seemed to be um, flat or higher, that the expectation for rates that so many had maybe called for lower rates later this year into next year, uh, the Fed keeps directing traffic towards the, hey, we may be at these higher interest rates for a while longer. Maybe not the end of the world for investors uh, if rates stay higher. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to be pretty in line with what Wall Street was expecting. I think what we've seen uh, in recent weeks is just the con- continued strength of the economy, um, you know, supported by lower unemployment. Uh, you know, jobless c- claims came in again below expectations. Uh, inflation remains uh, low. And so the, the ultimate idea here is, I think, in his goal is to say, hey, I think we're okay with a 
a pause at this point. Inflation's low enough right now, but also uh, there's always some added messaging that, hey, we're still, because of the strength that continues to be there, we haven't seen enough weakening, um, that the market should be prepared for another rate hike or two um, you know, over the next six to 12 months. So it's just something that you always have to keep on the back burner and markets um, should need to price that in appropriately. And I really think he had no choice but to say that. I don't think he could say anything else because if he says, hey guys, we're done, well, then it's off to the races, which is completely opposite of what they want at this point in time. So like Tom said, it's what the market expected, but also I think anyone expecting him to come out and say, hey, we're going to cut on date X or middle Q1 or early Q2, that's just boxing him in. And then what that's doing is because if everyone recalls at the start of this, everyone jumped on him for being too late to raise and they kind of lost a little credibility. Well, now they've gained a bunch back because a lot of people think they might be able to stick this soft landing. And if, all, if he comes out and says that we're going to cut soon and then they have to raise, well, now all the credibility they've gained back is just right out the window. And you have former Fed governors and analysts and economists saying, hey, this might be the one the Fed gets right. So Powell's right to say, and his, his specific quote was that we're in a position to proceed carefully, uh, meaning we're going to be data dependent, as we've always said. We're going to rely on um, what the information is telling us and respond accordingly. And so I think, you know, both of you, Mike and Tom, rightfully point out um, the Fed's doing a decent job so far that they they've been very clear about the messaging and I think that's the key here is the message is what's the most important point and I think what's really interesting when you look at the data is just what goes into those inflation numbers I think the part of the concern and why they want to keep um, options open for rate hikes on the road is just the fact that well while the economy is strong there's some you know if housing is roughly about 40 percent of CPI and it has it, traditionally has such a very lagging effect, usually six to 12 months or beyond, um, we've seen month to month rents go down that they're still waiting for that data to really come through the numbers. And, you know, listening to Dr. David Kelly, uh, chief investment strategist at JP Morgan, you know, they're still, he's still waiting for those numbers too. And he thinks that, you know, potentially it was one opinion that rates, you know, inflation could easily get down to the 2% range. So, um, you know, that would, you know, we have some opposing uh, effects, you know, with you know strong economy, but also to see those housing numbers come through yet that um, you know can you know work against the narrative of high, having to go higher in rates. Yeah, we don't have Joel on the show today, but he sent around uh, for us a, a chart showing kind of where mortgage rates are. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the benefits to us as investors of higher rates, but you know, the housing issue is one where you look at where we came from January 2021, the 30-year mortgage, uh, average mortgage rate was 2.65%. We're now at 7.23. But Joel rightfully points out, hey, yeah, but that's still not even average. We're still below the, the long-term average of, of what we've seen for housing. And so, um, you know, we have all kinds of noise going on in the housing market from, uh, you know, this week seeing some data on new home sales, a little better than expected versus existing, maybe a little worse, or at least showing some signs of decline. Um, but you know, all in, the housing picture is one that's been heavily, heavily influenced by the rate conversation. Of course, Mike, a lot of benefit to higher interest rates. And so if Jay Powell is talking about, well, rates are going to stay here for a little while longer, we may even go up another quarter or half or whatever that looks like. You know, what are you telling your clients about what kind of benefits they're seeing from higher rates? 
I mean, the first and foremost is one we've talked about on here before is just the money market rates that you can get with your accounts. I mean, you're talking some four and a half to somewhere above five just on cash, which again, like we meant, we said before, for clients that went on the roller coaster ride of last year, it just helps that those yields remain high in kind of in safety positions where you can put a chunk of your investments in there and just know, okay, that's earning 5%, or, you know, four and a half to five, maybe a little bit over. And you can sleep a little bit easier at night knowing that that's not going on the roller coaster anymore and that you're comfortable with that. And so the longer that rates stay higher, I think it's going to provide a little bit of comfort to some investors knowing that, hey, this percentage of my portfolio, even in fixed income, but as well as the money markets, is going to earn me X, right? And I don't have to worry about that. I can kind of let stocks, I'm comfortable with that and stocks are going to do what they're going to do. But as long as I'm earning that percentage, I'm okay with that. Well, and Tom, I think, you know, the the catch last year as interest rates were moving up is they moved up so quickly and they came from such a low point that there was no cushion. Right. You didn't have yield to overcome. And we're in a different place now. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting in right now or have largely been here, um, you know, we're going from yields probably on average in an average client portfolio from one and a half to two, maybe two and a half percent. Now we're upwards of three and a half to four and a half percent. Uh, so we do have more cushion that um, I, I think, you know, with this rate, uh, the 10-year Treasury increasing here over the last couple of months, um, it's certainly eaten away into some of those gains we had seen earlier in the year. But again, now we still, I still remind clients, we've got an extra five months, four months of interest payments, you know, coming our way to help offset some of these negative losses. And if we should be at least peeking out on, on where the 10-year Treasury, uh, treasury may be, um, there is some potential for, you know, uh, price appreciation should rates uh, decline. Again, that'll all kind of be dependent on, you know, where the 10-year goes and, and where, you know, economic growth goes from here. Yeah, and I think the tendency is to be victims of our latest kind of issues in last year. The pace of rate hikes and the scale, right, how significant they moved was was unprecedented. Um, and we're not there anymore. And so, you know, the ability to say, well, if we can slow down the pace and if we can capture a little more yield from the beginning, I think it makes bonds look that much more attractive um, at a time when you can get some pretty good deals on stocks. Most of the trades I'm doing for clients, most of the stuff I'm talking about is not, hey, let's run away from the stock market, but let's take advantage of some of the gains we've gotten. There was a really interesting article from John Reckenthaler, Morningstar, um, who just kind of highlighted the, the, the cash flow patterns and ultimately post year returns and bonds. Uh, he said, albeit from last year, typically when people have a bad year in bonds, they tend to pull out, which is very different than what people tend to do uh, in stocks or after a, a poor stock year, they'll tend to kind of ride it out, at least in bond mutual funds or stock mutual funds. And, and what happened was, so last year, um, people actually kept putting money in. I think that's because at the same time, and historically, we haven't had moments where stocks and bonds had gone down at the same time, unlike last year. So people went safe because all as, as we know and expect, bonds should be safer. Um, but the message ends up being that, you know, those post, you know, rough years in bond funds usually are followed by, you know, pretty good years uh, in bond funds to, be, to, to come. So I, I think the message from that would be, and what we still try to instill in my clients, is that we want to stick this out. I mean, we're, we're, we're still experiencing some of the pain here, at least in the last two months. So I'm kind of familiar with what we saw last year. 
Um, but we're, we're nearing the end of this, and you're going to be the beneficiary of kind of riding through this. Yeah, the gain from those, uh, from feeling that pain is real, and we just, we, we got to wait a little while longer to see it now. You know, Mike, I think we're in an environment now in which we're going to be waiting a while for meaningful earnings news. We got a couple of reports this week from some retailers. NVIDIA was a, a, a massive report. But outside of that, it's pretty quiet earnings season. The economic data has been fairly uh, fairly modest in terms of the pace and kind of a magnitude of the information. And so outside of the occasional conversation from the Fed and maybe a CPI or PCE report talking about inflation, the next month and a half really is going to be a period of time in which markets are kind of just left to drift. Um, you know, I, I use the term rudderless a lot for this time of year. You've got all the traders that are at their beach house right now. Um, and so volumes tend to be down. You've got uh, a lack of new information uh, and a market that's seen some pretty strong gains already. And so the, the little bit of activity that does take place perhaps is, you know, people like us that are looking to take advantage of some of those gains. Yeah, it's it's kind of equates to the dead season for sports viewing right now. I'll always bring it back to sports. But, um, no, you're right. It's one of those things where you don't have a lot of information. And with the way the markets are now, kind of a lot of information is just going to – with people's access to information, they're going to act on it very quickly. And if there is no information, big information out there, people are just going to kind of let it sit, except for people that are looking for deals or looking to kind of make some different moves within portfolios to take advantage of let's some sectors that haven't popped yet. And so, yeah, I mean, I get the question all the time. I'm sure you guys do. When people, people come in to see you, what are we going to do this time? Or what moves are we going to make to approve? What are we going to do? And sometimes my answer is nothing. Like there's not, we're not going to make a move just to make a move, especially if there's no data to support it, if we feel you're positioned correctly. But if there is, but if you need to be positioned a little better for the upcoming six months or a year that we think we can take advantage of, we will. But yeah, you're right. It's on, this is a time where I think some unforced errors can be made because people will make moves just to make moves instead of just relying on kind of the plan that they've made. So sometimes it's quiet times are okay. You can just sit back and let it come to you a little bit. I think what's interesting about that is, you know, you use the word quiet. When everything around you is quiet, even a, a small noise. Too quiet, draws as they would say in the movies. Draws attention. Yeah, too <laughs> quiet. Even a small noise draws attention. And so, you know, to your point, those unforced errors, the, the desire to want to react to something that, in a more active market, in a more volatile news cycle, wouldn't really draw all that much attention. But because nothing else is going on, all of a sudden this is a big deal. I think that's the risk is that over the next month, month and a half, we hear some some headlines that aren't all that promising uh, and put too much weight on those in terms of kind of their long-term relevance. Yeah, I'll kind of, you know, just say that with some clients uh, with, with a news cycle, I might say that you know, I think right now we may see some just more non-meaningful news and that these events, you may see markets move, they can be tradable, but not investable. You know, there's just nothing that you should expect any type of long-term significance with. Well, especially coming off a year like last year where there, was, there wasn't a quiet period. It was just rate hikes, rate hikes, news, like it just kept coming. And so, as we talked about a lot before with people, that's fresh in their mind. So they're expecting, okay, something's gonna happen because that's the most recent thing, but it hasn't. 
Right. And, and tradable versus investable, Tom, is a, a good point, right, that we are ultimately investors. And what we do is look at the why, the fundamentals of investing. And that's not a trader's toolkit. Traders are looking for technicals. They're looking for things that maybe tell them this is going to happen now because of this, but it tells them nothing about long-term what to expect. You know, I think uh, given the quiet summer here, given the hot week, a good uh, a good time to cut it off. As always, we enjoy doing the program for you. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalk@landis.com. To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk page at landis.com. <laughs>